Are you tapping into your potential? Are you then taking that potential and turning it into a purposeful and profitable online offering so you can impact more people, share your skills and expertise, and make a dent in the world? And are you doing this while living a life that fills you with purpose, happiness, and opportunities for growth? This may all sound too good to be true, and I am telling you, it isn't. These are the big questions that I seek to answer on The Untapped Show, a podcast for go-getting humans who know that more is possible for them in life and who want to make real changes and live up to and beyond their human potential. In this weekly podcast, I share nuggets of wisdom on how to do this, combined with inspiring interviews with everyday humans who are doing this right now so that we can all learn from each other. I'm your host, Natalie Sisson, a best-selling author, podcaster, blogger, lifelong learner, triathlete and lover of handstands and who took her humble blog back in 2010 and somehow managed to turn it into a multiple six-figure business by creating different revenue streams based around my skills, talents and knowledge and I know that this is possible for you too. So every single week that's what you're going to hear here on this podcast to give you inspiration, motivation, strategy and tactics to do this for yourself and to lead a purpose-driven life. So let's dive in to this week's show. So I'm really excited to have my guest today, Jennifer Locks, on board. She is the founder of Digital Nomad Girls, a former chemist who basically decided to quit that career path, jump on a plane and go traveling and then figure out how she could use her skills and expertise to earn a living. And her story is just such a beautiful one because she shares it so eloquently and is just really straight up and transparent on how she managed to just start with literally nothing but a dream and a hope and an idea and then taking massive action. Now, Jennifer launched her Facebook group, Digital Nomad Girls, back in August 2015 for female digital nomads, aspiring entrepreneurs and freedom lovers. And she has quickly grown this to 20,000 plus amazing members. But more importantly, she's created now a handful of different revenue streams that allow her to live and work from around the world and more importantly do what she loves which is impacting these amazing ladies holding retreats and masterminds and I'm going to let her share more but I think it's a really fascinating story just because Jennifer had an idea she took action and then she figured it out as she went looking at her skills and her knowledge as we do and combining them into things that were really valuable for the people that she wanted to serve. So you'll hear all about her story. Let's just dive in. Welcome back to another episode of the Untapped Podcast, where I have a real treat for you today because this is going to be part of the inspiring series of interviews with amazing people that I'm going to be delivering to you. And what I want to really do here is show you how possible it is to tap into your own potential, get paid to be you, and earn a living out of it that also allows you to live a purposeful life. And I can think of nobody better to kick off this series than the beautiful and wonderful Jennifer Locks of Digital Nomad Girls. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Natalie. It's very exciting to be here. It is. And I think your journey to where you've gotten to with over 50,000 plus ladies in your Facebook community and the number of ways in which you've managed to provide a ton of value to them, but also create multiple revenue streams that allows you to do a little bit of what I used to do, actually, which is travel all over the world, meet amazing people and have a blast. Um while running this business has been really inspiring to see because I think you've done it in an incredible way. And so I'd love for you to just share a little bit about 
where you started this journey and then I'll dive into some questions to, uh, to sort of shape the context around this a little bit more. Yeah, it's been quite the unusual journey, I think, compared to a lot of other people who are digital nomads or location independent. I started out as a chemist, and so I was a scientist for about 10 years. I studied and got my PhD um, about six years ago, and I knew for the last few years that I didn't want to stay in science and academia anymore. I didn't want to do research anymore, and I wanted to go traveling. That was the only thing I knew. I didn't start out wanting to start a business or wanting to be a digital nomad. I didn't even know what that was. I just knew I wanted to go traveling, and that's what I I did with my boyfriend, right? I think I finished and submitted and left a couple of weeks later. We were off on a round the world trip and kind of ran out of money and did the backpacking thing and working holiday visa and all of that stuff, like the more traditional travel stuff. And then relatively early on realized, okay, I don't want to stop this. I want to do this for longer, but I didn't know how. I was already 30, so I couldn't do the working holiday visas, visas forever, sadly. And um, so I found out about this digital nomad thing. I was like, oh, this sounds good. I want to do that as well. And that's basically how we got into it. (laughs) To be honest, actually, one of your, I heard you on a podcast. (laughs) Yeah, funnily enough, I was listening to podcasts and most of the guests were men and you were one of the very few women I heard about. I was like, whoa, this is really interesting. I was working in Australia at the time at a dairy company um, doing some research in their lab. So it was a temporary job that I had. And our visa was coming up and we thought, okay, this sounds good. Let's move to Thailand. That seems what everybody is doing. Let's try it out and kind of rocked up and had to figure out. Very briefly, I wanted to drop shipping, but I realized early on that's not actually what I wanted to do after all. And I started freelancing. I started trying everything I could find. I set myself this challenge. I was writing about it on my blog. Not that this was like a big blog or anything. It was just for me, basically. But I kind of was putting stuff out there and sharing what I was trying to do. And I called it my digital nomad job challenge. Very creative. And I kind of decided to try anything I could get my hands on that was online. And yeah, it was kind of like, I didn't know what to do. So I thought, okay, one thing I know how to do it is experimentation. So I'm just going to take this as an experiment and I'm going to see what I can find, how I can make money. Can I make money? Is it going to be fun? Am I going to enjoy it? Am I going to be good at it? So I just tried a little bit of everything and that's kind of how I got started. It was slow. It didn't, you know, didn't take off overnight or anything like that. A few hundred dollars here and a few hundred dollars there. And suddenly you were making a thousand dollars a month. And kind of that's how it was. Yeah, that's how it started. So I just love that because that's a perfect example of I'm just going to throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. But obviously you were choosing things that interested you, that you maybe had not necessarily a passion for, but a real curiosity for. That probably was a good intersection between the skills you currently had. You know, coming from sort of being a chemist into this, what were some of the initial things that you thought about and actually did to make money? So with those freelancing jobs, what were you focusing on? Yeah, it's such a good question because like going into this, I was really worried about not being technical enough. I thought that you'd have to be like a web developer, something like that. And that was kind of what was holding me back in the beginning. So I did a lot of research online. And at the time, this is still four or five years ago, there wasn't really that much information out there yet. So I was looking at, okay, what are the best jobs to become a digital nomad? And the same jobs were coming up again and again, like be a freelance writer, be a social media manager create websites for people, translation, a lot of like a little bit of everything that I kept on seeing. So I thought, okay, I'll try those things. And I'm bilingual. So I started with translation, found some jobs on Upwork and just like through people I knew as well. So I did a little bit of that, then writing, but I didn't think I was a writer or of course I had written like 
for 10 years during my degree, but that was all kind of scientific writing and technical writing. Um, but I did SEO writing. Like I wrote, I think, 28 articles about office refurbishments in Sydney or something like that at one point. <laughs> Super interesting. Um, yeah, that was, that was literally my first job that I did was SEO writing for $7 for one article of like 400 words or something like that. And um, social media management kind of came into it quite quickly. I had a little bit of experience with that just from volunteering back in London. I volunteered for some for a charity and I started learning how to build websites at the time just for myself because I wanted to build my own website. And I was getting really into it because I was actually enjoying it a lot. And then I started working for clients for that really randomly one of my first clients was actually your sister who was looking for people helping her on Upwork which is such a weird coincidence that's right yeah. I remember that because she said I found this fantastic sort of WordPress developer person who can help me who also does design and she's like and actually Nat she does the digital nomad stuff and then I looked you up and I was like man she looks great and that's where we first connected so yeah. that is quite so random. random she found you through yeah. Upwork so you had yeah. put your profile on Upwork as well mm -hmm. and yeah. you get a lot of um, work from Upwork I you know what I did like Upwork gets really bad reputation sometimes nowadays mm -hmm. and I can see why because there's just a lot of competition out there there's you know maybe a lot of low quality or low paid work but there that's just some of it like there still is some really good jobs there are some really good jobs to be found and that's how I as part of how I started like for me, Upwork was really helpful. And I think it really depends on what kind of your niche is and what your what jobs you're looking for. If it's something that thousands and thousands of people are offering, then it's probably not that useful. Yeah. But if it's a little bit more niche, it can be a really, really good way to just because you have a big audience, like you can find a, connect with a lot of employers. And yeah. yeah. So for those people listening, Upwork is probably one of my favorite sites to find and outsource work to tons of freelancers and contractors mm -hmm. around the world who have skills in copywriting, web design, virtual assistants, data research, application development, everything. Um, so it's brilliant. I think from my point of view, I've found some of my best team members on it and then taken them offline or developed a relationship with them. But I think you're right. There's so many, you know, there's millions of people on it and they're all sort of vying for attention. And like anything, it's how you present your profile. It's the number of testimonials on there. It's whether you put up reviews of your work on there and really how you present yourself much like any social media site now. It is a great avenue for getting new business. Cool. So what did you transition into? And I guess what I'm trying to get at is at which point did you start Digital Nomad <laughs> Girls Facebook yeah. group just as a thing to add value and to connect with other like-minded ladies mm -hmm. around? Really early on, actually, I started the Facebook group. So I started working online mid-2015. And I started the Facebook group a couple of months later. So I, like I said, we moved to Chiang Mai in Thailand. That's kind of the digital nomad mecca was at the time, still is. But then after a few months, we moved to a small island in Thailand. And there really were no other digital nomads there at the time. Now there's a co-working space there and a co-living space. That was not the case then. So we kind of ended up there on this digital nomad internship, which kind of turned out to be a little bit not quite as promised, but different story. Um, but yeah, we found ourselves on this island and there were really no other digital nomads there. So I kind of realized, okay, this is quite lonely. I'm very extroverted. I need to be around people. And I was kind of missing that connection. And one thing that I had learned really early on or noticed was that there were really not that many women in the digital nomad world. I wasn't seeing many of them. I already mentioned like on the podcast, 
the majority of guests were men that were, were people were talking about digital nomad stuff in the co-working space where I was working in Chiang Mai I was often the only girl sometimes there was one more and I made friends with her like right away but I noticed why is this and I found it really weird because I came from like the backpacking background and travelers like solo female travelers huge like in the traveling world there are girls everywhere and I mm -hmm. thought that was just strange that it wasn't the same amongst digital nomads and I started digging around a little bit couldn't find any communities for women who were working online and again that was weird because there are so many travel communities for women and I was like okay I, I need that I want to learn from other women I wanted to ask them questions because we have a different experience we I kind of wanted to have a space where I felt comfortable you know asking the questions that maybe other people would find stupid or whatever and after being shut down a couple of times in some other Facebook groups I was like okay I'm gonna just do it myself I'll, I'll start it and never expected anything it's so funny looking back because people always think i'm joking i had no idea that community or anything like that could have anything to do with business i didn't come from business i i was a scientist like not all of this was completely new to me and i started it just for fun i wanted to meet people and ask them questions and you know just like pick their brain because i, I had so many questions at the time and yeah i i invited the girls i met at co-working or at events or traveling who were interested in this and then they invited their friends and they invited their friends and that's how it's grown now so we've got over 20,000 in the Facebook group 26 or so on Instagram and yeah it's just and it's still growing it's still growing every week we're adding like a couple of hundred people maybe now yeah it's crazy it's huge because yeah. I think when I first found you or, or joined to be part of it, it was maybe at five or 6,000. And I was like, wow, that's massive. Um, I mean, I've grown several Facebook groups myself, but never stayed with the community for, I guess, the long term. Like I often would do them for projects like write the damn book or outsource like a rock star, build communities for programs that I ran. Um, and some of those communities still live on, which is lovely. But I just was really impressed with your community building skills and how much effort and time you put into it and as you said you took your skill of being extroverted and loving socializing to the extreme in that group like it brought out the best of that skill set and natural tendency that you had what other skills do you think that you inherently had that have been really really helpful in growing that group and we'll talk more about what the group has led to in terms of revenue streams but when you look back at the sum of all of you and all your experiences and skills what else do you think that you brought to the table that's made this group so successful that's such a funny question because I think sometimes, you know how they say, I think, who said it? Was it Steve Jobs who said you can only connect the dots backwards? You can't connect them forwards. You know, so when you look back, you realize, okay, this kind of makes sense. I see a pattern now. And this is what happened to me a little bit as well. Like I was doing my PhD in London, but I was already quite unhappy, like relatively early on, but I wanted to finish it. So I kind of put like threw myself into a lot of other projects at the same time because I wanted distraction and I wanted to just like find other things that I was passionate about. And looking back, all of those things had to do with community and leading a community or building a community or being somehow involved in communities. I was like a warden in halls looking after the undergraduate students. So I moved into the halls and, and threw events for them every week and, you know, looked after them, kind of that kind of thing. And then at the same time, I also was on the social committee in my department for chemistry. So we, again, threw events and, yeah, we kind of were in charge of the whole social life of the chemistry department. And then I also joined Greenpeace and then eventually ended up running one of the local Greenpeace groups in London. So looking back, everything was community, all of those. And 
at the same time, a lot of that was also about social media because I was always like, oh, we should have a Facebook page. Oh, we should have a Facebook group, that kind of thing, where they, you know, this is six or so years ago. People were not that much into it as they are now. And they were like, okay, whatever you do, you want to do it? I'm like, yeah, sure. So kind of looking back, I did have some of those skills already. And I think I always joke as well. I'm German, so I do like rules and kind of, you know, some structure. So I think putting in rules very, very early on, right from the start in the group, just from what I've seen in other Facebook groups that you kind of, okay, no, you have to be strict. You can't just let everybody, you know, you have to keep a certain control and just like, yeah, quality control. I think that was something that I was quite, I realized that early on, thankfully. And I think that is actually one of the reasons why it has gone relatively well. And we've managed to create quite a supportive and very positive environment. So I hear like, that's how I feel. And that's what I get messages about this from, from a lot of girls. They say they feel very, safe in this group because we don't really do any of the kind of online trolling like that was an absolute no no it's not that we have to like tell people no this is wrong this is wrong it's like naturally very supportive and lovely atmosphere and I think that's because we had these ground rules very early on and that's what we were kind of modeling I was modeling that right from the start like no we don't have we don't have room for that kind of yeah thing. I think you've hit on mm-hmm. it there you've held the integrity of the group by being supportive and very, very clear about the boundaries and not telling people off, but really encouraging better behavior. And so I'd love to segue Mm. now into that great look at what skills you did naturally have. What would you say would be the top three skills that you've learned so far that you had to sort of gain from running this group and turning it into a business that supports you in your travels around the world and, and has just created this amazing community? Oh my God, that's such a good question. Um, Let me think about that. I think One of the things that I've definitely learned, and it's funny saying that, but I think I've kind of become much, much, much more diplomatic from running this Facebook group. Like, absolutely. I think in the past, I used to get so much more upset and maybe, you know, when things do happen, when maybe two people argue, you get like, it's like, oh my God, like, I, I remember like right in the beginning being so upset and like worrying about this and you just kind of really learn how to, stay calm and be patient and just explain things in a, in a lovely way. Because again, that's, that's the atmosphere I want. If I start shouting at people because they're not doing what I want them to do, that's definitely not setting the tone. So I think I've come, it's really mellowed me out a lot, which is good because I can be quite feisty and a little bit um, hot headed sometimes as well. So I think this is a good skill to have in general, like when anything comes to like, you know, business, anything, it's, it's good to learn that. I definitely experiment a lot. I think the group has shown me or the community has really shown me that whatever I want to try out, I need to like run it by them. Otherwise, like the most of the things that I did that I came up with were just really inspired by what the girls were saying they wanted. So I think that's definitely a skill is to what does your audience want? I think learning about business and online business, you learn a lot about just branding and marketing and all of this stuff, you know, all these different things. But what comes down to what I realize that I do in my day-to-day life now is think, okay, but why am I doing this? Who is asking for this? What am I serving? Is this actually what people want? And I think that's a really, really important skill to have in business. Instead of going, oh, I really want to do that. And that sounds fun. I'm going to do that to actually go, is this what people want? Is this what they are looking for? And because my business grew out of a community that is kind of naturally inbuilt. So whenever I hit a block with anything that I do now, whether it's like, should I create this content for my membership site or should I launch a new product or whatever I'm doing? Whenever I feel stuck, 
I remind myself, ah, that's why, because I haven't actually gone back to the girls. I need to ask them. So now I know anything that I'm unsure about, I need to go and ask them and they will tell me there's absolutely no point in me trying to figure it all out by myself. And I think that's really, really important. Third Can skill. I just add to that? Because oh, wow. um, you know, my partner and mm-hmm. I mentored at a startup weekend a couple of weeks ago, which is a fantastic format. Basically, in a weekend, you think on an idea that you'd like to see happen in the world. You form a team of people who have come along to be there and you build out the proof of concept in a weekend and then you present and pitch it to a bunch of potential you know investors but people in that city who might be able to help you out and it's fascinating because one of the biggest things that we encourage them to do is to go out and actually do some research even though it's a weekend just go out for half an hour or an hour stroll the streets or go and see the people that you think are going to be your customers and run it by them like is this actually a problem that you have is this a challenge that you're seeing would you like a solution for it what would that solution look like? And the number of people who didn't want to, they wanted to just incubate in their room. Yeah, this is great. I've always wanted to do it. Yeah. And I was like, have you validated that? And I'm saying it because as an entrepreneur myself or in business, I think that's probably one of my strengths too, is I'm constantly surveying and asking my audience. But there have been many times where I've just thought that something's a good idea, gone ahead and run with it. And then kind of crickets, right? Because I didn't validate. I didn't get the words Mm -hmm. out of their mouth on what their pain point was, what their challenge was. And there could have just been a few tweaks that I could have implemented to make it absolutely outstanding and something that they really, really needed. So I love that you do that. And I also like that you listen to your gut and go, oh, haven't checked in with the girls yet. This is why I'm getting stuck. That's awesome. Sorry. So back to even just one more skill that you feel you've developed as a result. I think this is one skill that I'm actually still learning. I think a lot of these things are really a process, but that is asking people for help. And I'm not talking so much asking my audience what they want, but really asking people for help. It's just impossible to run a Facebook group like that yourself. And then, you know, now we also have a blog and we have a membership site and I run retreats and working on other things. It's just absolutely impossible. And I'm still learning to let go of control and perfectionism. It's a huge problem. I think coming from academia and being so drilled down, like being having been drilled out, you know what I mean? My whole life I've been told like everything needs to be perfect. You need to strive every, you know, like check all the boxes. It's science. Everything needs to be exactly the way it is. And in business, it simply isn't like that. You need to let go at some point. So I think that's something I'm learning still like done is better than perfect and ask people for help and don't try to do everything yourself. I think if you can learn that early on, it's like complete game changer. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because Likewise, I think that was something that I didn't do for many years. And then when I did, I was like, hallelujah, why didn't I do this before? Because people are more than willing to step up and help, to answer your questions, to give you advice. They love it. Like people love it when you go to them for advice. It doesn't make you look any less expert. It doesn't make you look any less credible. It doesn't mean that you're not skilled at what you do. It's simply the way we learn and grow. Mm. And there are people out there with more wisdom, yeah. more skills in different areas that we need to tap into. And collaboratively and collectively, mm. you can go so much further, right? So thank you for sharing that one. That is amazing. You mentioned some of the ways in which you make revenue. So what was the very first, I guess, paid product or offering that you had in your community? And do you just want to tell folks how you came to that and how it went down? Yeah. So um, that's something I'm also still experimenting with. But the first thing we did was run a retreat. Well, I always say we because it feels like for me, it's always like my community, but I ran that retreat. I did that. So I did that only because the girls were literally asking me to do it. I remember. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, 
um, very, very early on, after a couple of months, we were running meetups for, you know, just free, like casual drinks, meetups, dinner meetups, whatever. Um, I was doing them in Chiang Mai and then sharing photos and the girls were like, oh, let's do one in London. Let's do one in Brazil. Let's do one anywhere. And really quickly out of that, they came, yeah, okay, that was nice, but we want more. Can you please organize, you know, these vacations are happening. Do one of those for us, Jenny. And I'm like, okay, I don't know how to do that. I have no idea how to run a retreat, but um, it sounded really fun. And I, le- I love traveling. I love being with people. So I was like, okay, let's, let's do that. And I don't know what, I don't know what got into me then, but I somehow managed to get over all my fears and just do it. And I organized this retreat and I calculated everything like, okay, if six people come and they pay this much, then I'll break even and I won't lose any money. And that's kind of how I planned it. And in the end, what happened is 14 girls came from 10 different countries and we spent a week together in Spain and it was absolutely wonderful. I made hardly any money because I undercharged ridiculously. And I know that I undercharged because the girls at the retreat told me that I undercharged. Like at the end of it, they all sat me down and said, Jenny, you need to charge more. And I was like, oh, okay. And then that happened to me another two times. So now I've increased my prices sufficiently, I think. But yeah, it's it's definitely a learning curve. But it was totally um, in-person events. That was the first thing that I offered to sell. And yeah, it's interesting because it felt, you know how people always say like, oh, it's so hard to sell. It's like so difficult to ask people for money. And I totally get that. And I felt that so many times before. But funnily enough, when I was running that retreat, it didn't feel like that because it felt kind of like the natural thing to do. Like it was the right fit and what people actually wanted. And yeah, it was, mm. it was awesome. And we've actually got our next retreat coming up in two weeks. So I'm very excited about that. Nice. That's an interesting point about selling because I have really reframed on this over the years and I actually love selling. I think it's amazing because I don't view it as I'm trying to market something to you that you don't need and ask way too much money for it. I view it as here's this thing that I get to teach you that I know is going to improve your life, make things better, whatever it may be. It's massively valuable. I stand behind it with everything and it's actually in my interest to share this gift with you because otherwise I'm being quite selfish holding it back. And so I think for a lot of people when they're talking about, well, I do this really well, but I just don't know if I want to sell it into people. And I was like, that's actually kind of selfish. I know it sounds like a little bit backwards, but I was like, you're, you've got a gift. You can teach, you can educate, you can coach, you can inspire with this thing that you do really well, whatever it may be. And by you not sharing that gift with lots of people, you're actually being quite selfish and holding that back because you could be impacting their life. And the minute they hear that, they're like, Oh yeah. Like it's not, I think it's because people go, I'm selling myself, but actually no, you are helping improve or change somebody's life. And I think when you reframe and focus on the person that you're wanting to help with the people, it just becomes that much easier to be able to go, come along to this retreat because in the past, here's what people have said. Here's how it's impacted them. Here's the friendships they've made. Here's the breakthroughs Mm -hmm. they've had. I know I've run retreats as well. It's never about you. It's about the people you bring together, the experience they have and the outcomes. And so many of the people who came to mine are still friends to this day. They're meeting up, they're masterminding. I mean, it's amazing. I see it all the time and I'm like, oh, that happened four years ago. And this, it's just incredible. So I think when you focus on the outcomes and the results and who you're trying to help, it doesn't become selling. It becomes advocating for something that's actually going to help those people. Yeah. 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 Completely cool. agree. Just had to put that out there because especially women, <laughs> often say, I'm not good at selling and I don't like selling. Mm. And at the end of the day, nobody else is going to tell people about the great work that you do, but more importantly, about the great results that you have on the people. And that comes through testimonials and their referrals, et cetera. Mm. But, you know, you've got to start with being able to storytell and share that message and then people can jump on board and the right people will come forward. 
So, uh, so the first thing you saw was a retreat and then when did you switch into offering your membership and what were some of the best lessons that you've had from that? Cause I know you've had some good trials and tribulations and challenges and lots of experimentation within that, but is that a core part of your business now in terms of percentage of revenue that you earn? Yeah, definitely. So my membership site, I started that about a year and a half ago now. Crazy that it's running so long already. Um, but yeah, it was in terms of from when I started, maybe two and a half years in to into running the Facebook community, then I offered this extra small exclusive community, which is a paid membership. And it's something I had been thinking about launching for about a year before I actually had the, the guts to put it out there. And I love it. I absolutely adore doing it. I think when people hear membership sites, they think, oh, recurring revenue, that's what I want. Great. This is what it's all about. And obviously that's definitely a part of it. Like running a membership site, that's true. You, you know, get people come and they pay you every month and that's wonderful from a business point of view. But something that I didn't expect at all was that running a membership site also means I'm running a membership site. That means every month I have to show up and every month I have to do certain things. And with the kind of membership that I have, it means almost every day I'm running some kind of event or session because our membership is very much focused on community and events and kind of getting together, talking, chatting, bringing people together, accountability, that kind of thing. So we do virtual co-working sessions and stuff like that, which brings, a, which is a lot of my time. So when people say, oh, that's great passive income, I'm like, no, 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 this is not passive. It is recurring. Yes, but it's not passive at all. Um, but I learned pretty early on that I actually love having the structure in my life because as somebody who's location independent, you move around a lot. If you're freelancing, there isn't really that much structure and it's difficult to, to feel productive and like you're getting anything done if that's missing. So having to knowing every month on the last day or so I do our monthly goal setting workshop on every first week of the month, we have our mixer party and then we'll have our expert live Q and A's. It brings structure to my life personally as well and to my business, which has actually been a really great side effect. So that has definitely been like a really great learning curve. And then just yeah, running a membership site over over a year, you do learn a lot because it just never ends. You know, when we're just talking about selling, when you sell an online course, you know, you create the course and you do the market research and you build the website and you put everything together and then you have to launch and you sell it. But once you've sold it, that's kind of it. Like unless you have maybe a live component to go with it, but usually that's kind of then the end of it. Whereas when you do that with a membership site, as soon as the person, you have a new member and they pay you for the first time, that's when your work begins, right? And that's kind of definitely a mindset shift to how I will look at it. And I've absolutely loved running a membership site or I love it still. We, I've got amazing girls in there. Some are so active. They come to a weekly, they come to sessions and I've got, I've became friends with them you know we we had a co-working session this morning and one girl was not having a great day so we just had a long chat and it was just wonderful to be able to know that you know it can be really lonely to work online even to work for yourself even if you're not traveling it can be quite lonely but if you're awesome a lot, it can be really isolating so providing that community that sticks with these girls wherever in the world they are whether they're in japan or in brazil or moving around all the time they take it with them it's just that's been really wonderful. So I think the personal connections have been great. And yeah, but there's still so much to learn about everything. Like I still feel like I'm a total beginner when it comes to memberships. Like there's an incredible amount to learn, just managing and 
scaling now and all of that stuff. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. Think of that as your perfectionist tendencies, because I think you're doing a miraculous job, even if you undercharge initially. But yeah, how much do you think of that as the fact that most people running a business often don't feel like they know what they're doing, but they're just making it happen and they're learning as they go versus actually I have built a wealth of skills and knowledge, but you just don't always appreciate it. I think especially women, we tell ourselves, oh, I don't know enough yet. I don't know enough yet. And that comes from academia as well, because I don't have a certificate. I don't have a PhD or a bachelor's in running a membership site because it doesn't exist. So I think often we're looking for this kind of validation from outwards. Like, okay, somebody told me, you know, now I'm an official membership site host or whatever. That doesn't exist. But I also think online business, it changes so quickly. So if you kind of lean back and you go, oh, now I know everything and I'm just going to do that every month. I don't think that's going to work you know things change and the beauty of a membership site is also that you can change things like the way what you launch and what you're going to have a year later three years five years ten years later is never going to be the same thing you know your your members are going to say i want this i don't like this or the first time we did a co-working session i did it all day long i was like online for eight hours so i would cover different time zones I was completely shattered at the end of that. But now we do like two hour sessions and our members host some of them. So you learn, you learn what they want. You add stuff, you can experiment. And that's really part of the fun as well. So I think it's a balance of going, no, it's good enough. And I do actually know what I'm doing. Whereas, okay, but I can still improve because it's always ever evolving. So yeah, definitely a fine balance for sure. That's a really valid point, actually. How many members have you got currently? Uh, like 120 or so always around that because you know some join some leave yeah but it's always fluctuating around that I would definitely like to grow it so that's going to be the next challenge cool yeah I was gonna say you mentioned that you have growth plans do you sort of set a goal for how many people you'd love to be in your community and then go about going great how often do I need to open membership what else do I need to I don't think you need to add any more to your membership I think of the ones that I've seen out there yours is probably one of the most engaged and offers the most in terms of showing up accountability support so are there any other things like partnering with potential people who can you know we've done a few promos before because I just love what you do but are there any partners that you can go out to expand the reach who can actually promote your membership on your behalf like what are some of the ways that you want to grow yeah absolutely I think there there are so many things I could be doing should be doing possibly and I think having these goals and working towards them and going okay what what do I need to do what are the actual steps I need to take how many people will see this how many people will then join I think partnerships really really important that's something that funnily enough I have not done enough for myself I've done that for other people when they come and they say hey we want to do this do you want to do a joint Facebook live in your group I'll say yes I'll invite them into my Facebook group but I don't actually do the same with other Facebook groups so I should be doing the same thing for myself for sure this is something I've realized I need to go out there I need to put myself out there PR as well I haven't really ever gone for any kind of features that kind of thing so it's there's definitely lots to do but that's kind of also nice because if I thought that I was already doing everything that would be quite scary but I know there's still a lot that I can do Facebook ads you know all of these things I'm not really everything is still pretty much organic what I do so I think that's going to be the next step as well is to try to get some paid traffic in and see what I can do with that and yeah, yeah. also what I would really like to do is just to give people really a taste of actually what, what it is what that we do in there because I think it's a little bit abstract some people might not really understand so I want to do like some free um, events for the wider community just to show them what we do and to get them interested 
Yeah, I love that. And I also love that so much of it's been organic and that you haven't even tapped into some of those other areas that you talked about. You know, you could be writing a book, you could be starting a podcast, you could be interviewing more of your community, all these things, but already you've got enough going on. Is this a four to five figure a month business now for you? I don't expect you to disclose anything, but is it comfortable? Is it giving you enough profit so you can stay on purpose? And also how many hours a week do you think you're actually, or do you know that you're inputting into your business versus traveling and moving? And Yeah, it's definitely four figures. It's not five figures yet, I wish. Um, hopefully soon, but not quite there yet. No, it is my main income source though at the moment. Like I am also running another retreat this year. So that's definitely a really good side income, but you know, it's not something that I can scale that easily at least not in the same way. That's the beauty about the membership side. It is very scalable. And yeah, so I think that's definitely something I need to look at more. But yes, it is. It's sustaining me now, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. And it's comfortable at the moment. What I want to do next, kind of the next stage I want to get to is to make more revenue so I can actually hire more help and get more people to just support me so I can shift my focus away from kind of the day-to-day tasks. So there's actually a lot of ongoing work that you have to continuous ongoing things that I have to do with my business now. So just from running the blog and the newsletter and the Facebook group and the membership site, just there's actually a lot of tasks. Only recently I've kind of used a new system to, yeah, just to find out how many hours I'm kind of setting aside for ongoing work and I was not quite aware that it was that much and it's definitely about 25 hours a week now so it's a lot and I think there's a lot of potential there to outsource and help myself like not to do a little a lot of the the little tasks that I shouldn't be doing anymore and there are a lot of other things I would like to do so I'm gonna have to start outsourcing more for sure yeah have you got anybody on your team right now I think you do Mm -hmm. yeah I do have someone she's amazing um she is she came from my community and she kind of found me because I've I've struggled in the past finding the right person I think I hiring is not maybe my strong suit and I jump in I get really excited and maybe not do my my all my due diligence to finding the right person but yeah she found me and she's part of my community she's a freelancer content and project manager so basically she kind of does She's so good at everything she does. She can take anything I give her and she does a great job at it. So she's really kind of my my right-hand woman. Yeah, I'm so happy that I have her and she's very invested in the community. She really cares about the business as well. So I'm, I'm looking like for me, I want to work with people much more. That's the thing, you know, I, I run a business which is about community. I'm very extroverted yet I'm running this by myself. And I realized a while ago that that is, it's not a hundred percent aligned. So I definitely want to work more with other people as well. Yeah. It's so funny. I see you sitting there in all your gorgeous beauty and energy and enthusiasm. And I, I just see this massive, this may not be the right wording, but like this massive empire or community around the world of digital nomad girls who just love and support you, um, a thriving business, one where you are doing the stuff that you love, which is turning up, doing the live events, doing the retreats and having this amazing team of volunteers and also, you know, paid team members just helping you grow and scale this because it could be huge. There's a conference there. There's a summit there. It's just so much. And I think that's when it comes back to really tapping into your potential and also breaking through some of the, maybe the mindset challenges and blocks of, Oh, who am I to be this person? Actually, I'm the perfect person to do it. Would you say that there are some mindset growth tools and tactics that you'd love to incorporate as well, just to be able to go even bigger and to allow yourself that growth? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here nodding along. Yes, 100%. I think everything that is in, in the way between where I am now and what you just said is that is, I would say, 100% mindset. And it's so frustrating because it would be so much easier to say, oh, it's because I don't have enough money or the tech isn't working or I don't have this tool or blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, that's such much easier to blame something outside. But I would definitely say, like, I've struggled with this since I started my business. And I think also... I accidentally almost started my business. So I kind of still hide behind that a little bit like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. And I think this is something that women do a lot. And I don't like that. I don't like it when I see it in myself. I don't like it when I see it in my friends who run their businesses because they're amazing and they exactly know what they're doing. And they have, I see all this potential in my friends. And sometimes I see like the future really clearly and I believe that it's possible, but getting there, it's a whole different thing. So I think mindset is absolutely crucial when it comes to anything you want to do in business. It's, I think 80% is mindset and the rest is like maybe being organized and putting in some hard work as well, you know, but I think some, yeah, it's absolutely incredibly important. Some tools, I mean, so many, I think just mindfulness in general, being aware of what is going on has been really important for me. I try to meditate. I don't do it as much as I like to, but it's definitely really, really important. Journaling has been really good, but I also think just investing in the right things like coaches. I've done that for the first time this year just having somebody maybe mastermind something like that to just invest in your future, but also in your community. You know, I think having the right people on your side by your side is just really, really important. So I think going to paid events like conferences and retreats and things like that, where you meet those people who will support you to get through that is just super important. You can't do it by yourself. Like that's what my whole thing is about. My whole business is about providing this community. And I need to realize that is also still what I need every day. You'll never grow out of that. There will never be a point where you're like, oh, now I can do everything by myself. It's like, wherever you go, you still need that kind of support. And I think, yeah, mindset, incredibly important. I'm so glad because you touched on a bunch of the things that I was going to suggest for people listening in, which Mm -hmm. is brilliant. So there's some visualization techniques. Like I know you said each month you do the goal setting with your community. Mm -hmm. That's equally as important for you. Hiring a great coach who for your level of growth or where you want to go right now holds you accountable, helps you set your strategic direction. I know for myself, I can do that for people all day long, but every so often I just want somebody to come into the room and go, Nat, where are you at on this? What should we focus on? What's the strategy behind? Like, talk me through it. It's just like sometimes you just need somebody to point out to you and get you to run through what you're doing. And from that come the answers. And then a mastermind group or more, a board of advisors. Like I have started something called Thrive Board and we meet up every month for a dinner. It's a bunch of women entrepreneurs here in Wellington. And we talk about personal life. We talk about the economy. We talk about our businesses, our careers, our relationships, our health. We talk about future of technology. Like we had our dinner last night and it's just so much fun. It's like this group of confidence who have your back, who support you, who you can totally be honest with. You can discuss a massive range of topics and and it's such a beautiful thing to have. Like it just feels so supportive and also at the same time so energizing and then as you said professional development through conferences summits your own retreats because as you mentioned you've got to ask for help you've got to have that supportive career around you especially when you are supporting so many other people so I'm really glad you've got all the all the right pieces there they were all the things that I was going to suggest as well it's really neat to hear and just one more thing thinking forward to the future as you know I mentioned before we jumped on this interview that I'm really fascinated in the future of work what jobs are 
going to be there, what careers are going to be there, how businesses are going to thrive, what they're going to need to change, what skills people are going to need, what technologies are going to take over and automate. So it's just always like, how do we remain relevant? What do we need to be doing to stay on top of things? And I noticed the other day, just in terms of the area that you're in, that a large, large CrossFit group of about 1.6 million people got shut down. They did resurrect it, but it got shut down in an instant because of some policy or thing that they Uh thought that they'd done. And um, luckily, that particular CrossFit business also had a big email list. But in an instant overnight, their real estate was taken away and it kind of came to a discussion about You don't want to rent on other people's property. You want to own your own home. So do you ever think about the Facebook group if it wasn't there? And I know you have an email list, but like what you would do instead. And so I guess my question is, do you have a backup plan in the future? What would you like your business to look like, I guess, in terms of what you own versus being on rented property? Oh my God, it's such a good question. And I see this so much people going into business and saying, oh, I don't need a website. I'll just use a Facebook page. And I'm like, ah, all the alarm bells go off. Um, Yes, my business is way too reliant on Facebook. I feel bad even saying that because let's face it, without Facebook and my Facebook group, I probably wouldn't have this business or definitely wouldn't have this business, you know? So it's, it's really a fine line. And I want to be grateful because this platform has allowed me to do so much. But yeah, to be realistic, we just don't know what's going to happen with social media. And I mean, 10 years ago, it didn't exist or 15 years ago, it didn't exist. I don't know. You know, it's, it's going to change for sure. And we need to be absolutely, we need to have everything on our own property. Like, you know, you can't, like you said, you can't build your thing on rented property. It's, you have absolutely no control. We see groups, like I've been building this for four years. The algorithm changes. Nobody sees your post. It's the same on Instagram. Everybody's crying about Instagram right now. Because, you know, maybe they're taking the likes count away as get, again now. You know, that's the next thing they're talking about. It's like, what is that going to do to Instagram influencers? I don't know. So you do definitely need to have everything built on your own platform. And I think that's kind of part of the reason why I wanted to start a membership site as well. It's because it just allows you to connect on a much deeper level because Facebook gives you the tools that Facebook gives you but maybe I need other tools. Maybe I need more. And you can only work with that. If you build things on your own platform or your own community or your own space, whether that's a website or a membership site or whatever, it's just much safer. And having an email list as well, I think you can just engage on a very different level than you can on social media. And I do think that the future, I mean, God, I'm really not a social media expert, but just the future of the way we run communities is going to go much more private again. We see this already. People are talking about privacy everywhere. Mark Zuckerberg was just talking about it. It's going to definitely be much more closed off. But I still think that the future of this kind of these networks is going to be all about communities. It's not going to be about one-to-one connections anymore. It's really going to be about people connecting around shared interests. And I think Part of that is actually exciting, though, because, yes, a lot of the jobs that exist now, a lot of the digital nomad jobs that exist now are going to go away. Like we won't need as many translators in 10, 20 years as we have now. We don't need it. We won't need as many or developers. Yes. But, you know, on different levels and we won't need a lot of jobs are going to go away. That's for sure. But something that's not going to go away is that people need community. And that is the beauty in that, that we, especially as everything goes more online and everything gets more connected, we will need more community because we feel more isolated. And it's nice to be able to provide that and know that it's going to stay relevant, I think. 
I'm so glad you said that 100%. People are craving more and more connection in person, in real, and through community. And that is definitely the way in which, from my point of view, the future of work is about human skills, empathy, listening, connecting. It's going to be around self-directed learning, all these things that are actually very, very human to us and our natural tendencies. Developing more of that and mastering more of that is critical. So I'm so glad you said that. And this has just been so much fun. I think we could talk for hours, but I really think you've given people such a great example of, you know, just switching careers for a start taking the leap and going traveling, building the career slash portfolio of things around that, turning it into a business through community and doing what you love, taking the intersection of your skills and really honing in on them. And then also adding new skills to help build this and grow this. And I just see such a wonderful future for you. And I know there'll be more morphs and more changing, and I'm really excited to follow it with you. Where is the best place for people to learn more about you? I'll also put links below in the podcast notes, but would just love for people to know where they can find you. Um, the best place is our website, um, digitalnomadgirls.com. That's where you can find everything. That's also where you can find our membership site and our retreats and everything like that. And then obviously, if you're a woman and you would like to join our Facebook group, that's on Digital Nomad Girls Community on Facebook. And we're also on Instagram. But yeah, the, the website is the best place. And there you can also email me if you have any questions or anything. Brilliant. Thank you so much. It's been a blast. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. So if you liked this episode, please do shout out to Jennifer on Instagram or Twitter. So on Twitter, she is at Nomad Girls and on Instagram, she is at Digital Nomad Girls. And I'm sure she'd love to hear from you and what you thought of this interview. As well as that, if you'd like to learn more about her Digital Nomad Girls membership, please head across to nataliesisson.com forward slash DNG and you can find out more details. And if you really dig this episode and you want more resources or you'd like to learn more of the links and things that we discuss in it, as always, come across to nataliesisson.com forward slash podcast and you'll actually be able to see all of the previous episodes there so you can dive into more. And every single episode has its own blog post with more details, a write-up, photos, whatever you need, and just links that I talk about and resources that I talk about during the episode. So it's a really great place to come. If you're loving this, do just shout out to me. I'm at Natalie Sisson on Instagram. Tag me in a post, take a screenshot of where you're listening to this episode from, and uh, share it in a story and tag me. I would love, love, love to know what you're enjoying and what you want to hear more of and who, more importantly, you'd love for me to interview on the Untapped podcast. Tune in every single Monday for more goodness. And remember, keep going forward, keep living your purpose-driven life and tapping into your potential. 